Now, if you look and take the time to study your bulletin, we've moved proclamation and response up because God comes to us first with his grace, and then we respond. So I will be moving into the proclamation and response. Over the next four weeks, our worship gathering will be guided by the theme, Having Words with Jesus. I encourage each of you to create a habit of reading the different scripture passages given to you on your bulletin. In today's world, it's so easy to get consumed and spend our time scrolling through social media or searching the web. I invite each of you to become disciples having words with Jesus. Disciples who scroll the scriptures and search for God's word in your life. Carve out a pattern of study that can become a habit. The Gospel of Luke gives emphasis upon Jesus' role as a prophet who spoke for God. He called his followers to be diligent and caring for those without privilege, particularly the sick, lame, blind, widows, Gentiles, and the poor. John Wesley gave the same emphasis on a sermon called On Visiting the Sick. You can do a search on the internet and find that sermon and read it. As we read and hear the passages to the Gospel of Luke today, I invite each of you to open your minds to the visions of Jesus' meaning of discipleship and grace. Let us pray a prayer of illumination. God, open our minds and hearts to the words of Jesus. May the Spirit fill us and guide us in our interpretation of today's scriptural passage and message. Amen. I will be reading from the scripture, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, 
all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or, what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and axes for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. And this is the word of God for the people of God. And the people say, I have a question. What is more important to you? The number of people attending church or that the people who attend church are focused on living lives as disciples of Jesus Christ? What makes a person a disciple of Jesus Christ? Who sets the criteria? Am I supposed to be the one as your pastor who says that? Please do not. Please do not put that weight on my human shoulders. That is not my responsibility. You see, the judgment of discipleship will come from Jesus. But it begins now in your life here and now through the choices you make to love everyone, to show grace to everyone. You see, in the passage today, Jesus is not concerned with attracting large crowds. Jesus wants to attract followers who consider the tremendous sacrifices that he is requesting and who are willing to make those sacrifices. To the large crowds, Jesus is giving what can be perceived as his terrible marketing campaign. If you think about it, it's terrible. About what it will cost for them to be his disciples. When Jesus says, whoever comes to me, he is speaking to the people in those large crowds who have left their homes and families to be with him. When Jesus says, does not hate, and then mentions all family members and even a person's own life, he is speaking to the people living in a patriarchal society. A society centered around family and controlled by the male heir of the inheritance of the land. He is not telling them to forsake and hate like you and I think in terms of hate, the family. He is telling them of the ethic of accountability, forgiveness, and love in all excuse me, in all of their relationships. 
He's telling them to love the elderly. Love the stranger. Love the addict. Love the lonely. Love the prisoner. Love the children as much as you love your own family. He's speaking about the change that will have to come through the engagement in relationship with Jesus as the center of all relationships. Verse 27 says, whoever doesn't carry their cross. Jesus is telling the people that the half-hearted attempts to follow him are not what his call to discipleship means. In today's language, we can speak about the difference in the meaning between two words that we use in our society. Being a Christian, being a disciple. Are you a Christian? Or are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? And to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, is that to be a Christian? But being a Christian doesn't always make you a disciple? And is there even a difference? John Wesley believed there was a difference in Jesus' meaning of discipleship and what we perceive of discipleship. In John Wesley's sermon, The Almost Christian, he writes about the difference in how people perceive the meaning of being a Christian. And he had two labels in his sermon, the almost Christian and the already Christian. I like to use Diedrich Bonhoeffer's vocabulary. You see, he called the almost Christian and the already Christian cheap or costly. I like those words because as a consumer society, you and I can relate to those words. We can relate to the meaning of cheap, and we can relate to the meaning of costly. Our response to God's grace begins through our mindsets. In his sermon, The Nature of Enthusiasm, John Wesley wrote some powerful words of truth. Truth about how our mindsets have created different interpretations and perspectives of God's grace. Bonhoeffer placed these mindsets under the labels of cheap grace and costly grace. Bonhoeffer declared cheap grace is the mortal enemy of our church. It has ruined more Christians than any commandment about works. He wrote this in one of his books to speak about the practices and beliefs and the mindsets of many professing Christians during his time. Descriptions that still fit the mindset of many people in our time. Cheap grace is when we take God's grace and we bestow it on ourselves. Bonhoeffer stated, cheap grace is preaching forgiveness without repentance. Baptism without the discipline of being in community. 
the Lord's Supper without a confession of sin. Pardoning without personal confession. Grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. And grace without living with the incarnate word of God, Jesus Christ. John Wesley and Diedrich Bonhoeffer wrote about our tendencies to follow our own mindsets instead of Jesus' ways. Both tried to teach people about that cistern of cheap grace that we keep digging for ourselves. The cistern that makes us believe we can be Christians without discipleship. Using words from John Wesley, it is when we fancy ourselves as earthly kings and queens. In our passage, Jesus is speaking about costly grace. Only the believers obey the call, and only the obedient believe in the call. This is the ethical conflict of all times. The ethical conflict of interpreting, understanding, and obeying the call of Jesus Christ to be his disciple. Verse 29 speaks to the mindset of the people listening to him. You see, at this time, people gained honor by building something to completion. It was considered dishonorable to start building anything and not finish it. When he speaks about kings, he is keeping with the mindset of the people listening to him. He is telling the people that the kings have to consider the cost of going to war. They may save lives by not entering into the battle, but they will lose their kingdom. Terms of peace come at a great cost. He is speaking about discipleship, about following him. The call to discipleship is just the beginning. When you make the choice, you will be completely rebuilt. Being his follower will come with the willingness and intention to count the cost. Cannot be my disciples. It's stated three times. Verse 26, 27, and 33. Jesus is warning those who squeeze commitment to him in with the host of other priorities when you make him one of many other priorities to acquire. Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple. You see, professing to be a Christian does not make you a disciple of Jesus Christ. To be his disciple, you must be willing to face the cost of discipleship. It is refusing to abide by anything other than Jesus' love and will for creation. 
the cost is trusting. Trusting that Jesus is worth everything and unreservedly committing yourself to him. Jesus is telling the crowd and us that when you commit to the call, he is giving them and he is giving us a new gift, a new community given as a faith community that comes together under his leading. A gift inherent in our baptisms. Dying to our old selves and being born into the new. If you are unwilling to do this, then you are unwilling to fulfill your baptismal covenant to Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans 12, 1 through 2, a new life in Christ. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, on the basis of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which in your reasonable act of worship, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Every one of us enters discipleship alone. It is a long call that Jesus makes to each of us personally. But no one, not one of us, remains a disciple by ourselves. Jesus' promise is that those who follow Christ become members of communities of the cross. His disciples become people of the mediator of the cross, Jesus Christ. He is our mediator. He is our center of everything. And we are all under that cross and leadership. He is the Godhead of this church. I think of all the people who do not have a church to belong to. I think of all the people who turned away from Jesus because of churches who have become places of cheap grace. I think of all the people here in Winsboro who do not have a church home. And I think of the people who don't even know who Jesus Christ is. Making disciples means opening pathways for people to become disciples. We are called to be the light that shows the way to Jesus. But it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And it's about God's grace. It is the grace of God that transforms people to become disciples. It's not us. God's grace is costly because we have to let go of our own ways of interpreting, understanding, and obeying the call to follow Jesus. Verse 33 says, So therefore, whoever of you 
does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. As spiritual beings, the call opens the door to a spiritually driven process with God's costly and divine grace forming our inner beings to be like Jesus Christ. Our vision, our intentions, and our means are no longer our own. We are invited to learn to be transformed by the renewing of our minds to be Christ-like. It is a process and journey of complete trust that takes commitment and perseverance to focus on him as the center of our world and life. And it goes all the way back to the Old Testament passages of God wanting to have a relationship with his people and to dwell with them. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. I invite you to join me in breaking the bonds of our mindsets that lead us to turn God's costly grace into the cheap grace of our world. The grace that we have made in our lives in some of the churches. I invite you to walk each day in faithful participation in our church's ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. You see, true-hearted Christian discipleship is costly. And costly grace is the call given to each of you in today's passage to follow Jesus Christ. You see, that call to discipleship is itself grace. And grace as that call. Amen. Let us pray. God, our Father, you are always faithful. You are always good. Send your spirit to abide in each of us to show us the ways we have made your grace cheap. Break down our egos so that we have a vision for costly grace in our lives. Strengthen us to change our ways to the ways of Jesus Christ. Help us to be intentional in our choices to live in and through costly grace. Enable us to make choices for spiritual growth to become the people you created us to be. I pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.